The first of the companions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, whom I shall mention today, is Hazrat Ubaid bin Zaid Ansari. He belonged to the Banu Ajlan tribe and he participated in the battles of Badr and Uhud. Hazrat Muaz bin Rifar relates from his father, that I accompanied the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, whilst riding on a very frail and weak camel along with my brother, as we headed towards Badr. And Ubaid bin Zaid was also with us. When we reached a place called Barid, which comes after Ruha, it was there that our camel gave up and sat down. This incident has previously been mentioned while giving the account of another companion. However, he further relates, when our camel sat down, we prayed, O oh Allah, we make this vow to you that if you return us to Medina, we will sacrifice this camel. He says, At the time, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was passing by us and inquired what the matter was with both of us. And so we narrated the entire incident to him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then remained with us and he performed ablution and mixed his saliva with the leftover water. And then, upon his instruction, we opened the camel's mouth and he poured some of that water into the camel's mouth and then some upon its neck, its shoulders, its hump, its back and its tail. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then supplicated that, O oh Allah, make it possible for Rafi and Khalad to ride on it and to reach their destination. He then states, that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then left, and we also got up to depart. He then states, that we then caught up with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, at Masnaf, and our camel at the time was at the forefront of our caravan. And when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, saw us, he smiled at us. And we continued travelling until we reached Badr, and whilst returning from Badr, when we reached Musalla, the camel once again sat down, upon which my brother slaughtered it and distributed its meat, and we gave that out as sadqa, i.e. charity. And Hazrat Ubayd bin Zaid was also present with them during this incident. Hazrat Zahir bin Haram al-Ashjai was a companion who also participated in the Battle of Badr and he belonged to the Ashjar tribe and he accompanied the Holy Prophet peace be upon him in the Battle of Badr. Hazrat Anas bin Malik narrates that among those who lived in the villages was a man by the name of Zahir, and he used to bring presents from his village for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And whenever he intended to return, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, also used to present him with abundant provisions before seeing him off. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, used to say that inna zahira zahiran badiyatuna wa nahnu haziru, meaning that Zahir is our friend from the wilderness and we are his friends from the city. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had great love for Hazrat Zahir. Hazrat Zahir was a man of average looks, and once, whilst Hazrat Zahir was selling some of his merchandise in the market 
The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, approached him from the back and embraced him. It is also mentioned in a narration that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, came from the back and covered his eyes with his hands so that Hazrat Zahir could not see the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Upon this, Hazrat Zahir inquired who it was and asked to be left alone. However, when he turned and saw, and he recognized it was the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and by recognizing the Holy Prophet وسلم, it means that when he turned around and caught a glimpse of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And so upon realizing that it was in fact the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he started to rub his back against the blessed chest of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then in a very light-hearted manner said, that who will purchase this slave? And Hazrat Zahir replied, that, O Prophet of Allah, peace be upon him, you will make an unprofitable bargain, for who is going to buy me? Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied, that in the sight of Allah, you are indeed not an unprofitable bargain, or that he said that he was very precious in the sight of Allah. Hazrat Muslim ta'ala anhu has also mentioned this incident on one occasion in relation to the compassion of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Muslim ta'ala anhu states that once the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was going to the market and he saw a poor companion of his who was not very attractive carrying merchandise in the severe heat. And he was carrying merchandise and his entire body was covered with sweat and dust. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, quietly went behind him and similar to how children playfully and secretly place their hands on the eyes of another person and then ask and desire for that person to guess who has placed their hands on their eyes. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, also quietly placed his hands over his eyes. And having felt his soft hands, he realized it was the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And out of extreme love, he started to rub his body full of sweat against the clothes of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, continued to smile and then said that I have a slave. Is there anyone who would like to buy him? Upon this, the companion said, O Prophet of Allah, peace be upon him, who in the world would buy me? However, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied, that you should not say this, for you are extremely precious in the sight of God. Thus, these people were blessed to partake of such astonishing expressions of love of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, once stated that inna likulli hadratin badiyatan wa badiyatu ali Muhammad Zahir ibn Haram That is, that every person living in the city has a relationship with someone from the village. And the person from the village with whom the family of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, has a relationship with is Zahir bin Haram. As a Zahir bin Haram then later migrated to Kufa. The next companion to be mentioned is Hazrat Zaid bin Khattab. He was the elder brother of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu and he accepted Islam before him. And he was also among the first people to take part in the migration. He also participated alongside the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in the battles of Badr, Ohud and Khandak, i.e. the trench. And he also participated at the occasion of Hudaybiyah and Bayt Rizwan. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, formed a bond of brotherhood, i.e. Muakhat, between him and Hazrat Man bin Adi. And both of these companions were martyred during the battle of Yamama. On the day of the battle of Ohud, Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu swore by Allah and said to Hazrat Zaid, who was the elder brother of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that you should put on my armor. And so Hazrat Zaid put on the armor for a few moments and took it off at the time of war. When Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu inquired of him the reason for taking off the armor, Hazrat Zaid replied that I too am desirous of the very same martyrdom that you desire. Hence, both of them left the armor. Hazrat Zayd bin Khattab narrates that on the occasion of Hajjatul Wada, 
by the last pilgrimage of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that you should take care of your slaves, feed them of what you eat yourself, and dress them with the clothes you dress yourself with. Furthermore, if they commit an error which you are unable to forgive them for, then, O servants of God, you should sell them, but not punish them. During the Battle of Yamama, when the Muslims were somewhat scattered and were in a weakened state, Hazrat Zad shouted this prayer out aloud, that, O Allah, I apologize for my companions to have fled, and I hold myself free and independent from what Musal Makazab and Makma bin Tufel have done. He then firmly took hold of the flag and entered the rows of the enemy and marched forward, demonstrating his excellent swordmanship until he was martyred. When Hazrat Zaid was martyred, Hazrat Umar anhu said that may Allah the Almighty have mercy on Zaid, for he has surpassed me in two virtues. That is, he accepted Islam before me and he also attained martyrdom before me. In a narration it is mentioned that Hazrat Umar heard Mutammim bin Nuwera read some poetic verses in remembrance of his brother Malik bin Nuwera. Upon which Hazrat Umar said that if I could also compose good verses like you, I would have also recited similar verses in remembrance of my brother Zaid, as you have recited for your brother. Upon this, Mutammim bin Nuwera said, that if my brother would have left the world in the same manner as your brother did, then I would not be grieved either. Hazrat Umar replied that until today, no one has consoled me in the same manner as you have. Another detailed narration of this incident can be found as well. Hazrat Umar said to Mutammim bin Nuwera that how grieved are you at the death of your brother? And he pointed towards one of his eyes and said, This eye of mine lost its sight due to this very grief. I wept so profusely with my functioning eye that even the defective eye assisted in shedding tears. Hazrat Umar replied that this is such an extreme state of grief which perhaps no one has expressed for the sake of their lost one. Hazrat Umar further said that may Allah the Almighty have mercy on Zaid bin Khattab if I was capable of composing verses I would certainly have also wept for Zaid as you weep for your brother. Hazrat Mutammim said that, O Amir al-Mu'mineen, if my brother would have been martyred during the battle of Yamama in the same manner as your brother was, I would never have wept for him. These words touched Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu's heart and he was reassured about his brother. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu was immensely grieved at the loss of his brother and he used to say that when the morning breeze blows, I can smell the fragrance of Zed. One of the associates of Musalma Kazab was Rajal bin Unfuwa and he was killed by Hazrat Zaid bin Khattab. In one narration, Rajal bin Unfuwa has also been mentioned as Nahar. This was the person who initially accepted Islam and also took part in the migration and was a Qari, i.e. one who can recite the Qur'an according to the proper rules of recitation but in the end, he joined Musalma. Therefore, we should always pray for our end to be good. In any case, he said to him that I have heard that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, say that he has included you in his prophethood. This was the greatest trial for Banu Hunayfa. And Hazrat Abu Huraira narrates that I was once sitting in the company of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, with a delegation. And Rajal bin Unfa was also with us. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said, There is an individual among you whose molar tooth will be in a fire as tall as the mountain of Ahud. In other words, he will be in the pit of fire and he will mislead a group of people. Hazrat Abu Huraira states that later, only Rajal bin Unfu and I remained alive and I would always remain apprehensive about this until Rajal bin Unfu joined Musalma Kazab and testified to his prophethood. Rajal bin Unfa was killed in the Battle of Yamama by Hazrat Zaid bin Khattab. Hazrat Zaid bin Khattab was martyred by Abu Maryam al-Hanfi. 
And after Hazrat Abu Maryam had accepted Islam, Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu asked him if he had martyred Zayd. He replied to Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu that, O Amir al-Mu'mineen, commander of the faithful, Allah the Almighty granted a special rank to Hazrat Zayd through me, and Allah did not destroy and humiliate me through him. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu said to Hazrat Abu Maryam, In your estimation, how many of your people were killed at the hands of the Muslims on the day of Yamama? Abu Maryam replied, 1400 or more. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu then said, Bitsil qatla, that how pitiful was the end of those who were killed. Abu Maryam then said, that all praise belongs to Allah, who enabled me to survive to the extent that I was drawn towards the religion that Allah had chosen for His Prophet and Muslims. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu was very pleased by this statement of Abu Maryam. And later, Abu Maryam became the Qazi, i.e. judge of Basra in Iraq. The details of the next companion relate to Hazrat Ubadah bin Khashkash. Waqdi has related the name of Ubadah bin Khashkash as Abda bin Hasas, whereas Ibn Manda has related his name as Ubadah bin Khashkash Ambari. In any case, he was from the Bali tribe and he was the paternal and maternal cousin of Hazrat Mujazzar bin Ziyad. He was allied to Banu Salim and Hazrat Ubadah bin Khashkash took part in the Battle of Badr where he captured Qais bin Saib. Hazrat Ubadah bin Khashkash was martyred on the day of the Battle of Uhud and he was buried alongside Hazrat Numan bin Malik and Hazrat Mujazzar bin Ziyad in the same grave. The next companion who will be mentioned is Hazrat Abdullah bin Jad. His father's name was Jad bin Qais, whose title was Abu Wahab, and he was from the Banu Salama tribe, which was a branch of the Ansar. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal was his maternal cousin, and Hazrat Abdullah bin Jad participated in both the battles of Badr and Uhud. At the Battle of Tabuk, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said to Abu Wahab, the father of Hazrat Abdullah bin Jad, that Abu Wahab, will you not join us for the battle this year? Abu Wahab replied, please excuse me and do not involve me in any type of disorder. I am unable to go because, and he cited a very strange excuse to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, by saying, that my people know how much I adore women. And so if the women of Banu Asfar, in other words, the Roman and Byzantine women, befall my eyes, I will not be able to control myself. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, turned away and excused him. In other words, as he was making excuses, it was best to simply let him be and accept his refusal. Hazrat Abdullah bin Jad approached his father after coming to know of this and said, why did you reject the request of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him? I swear by God that you are the wealthiest person among the Banu Salama, and today was the opportunity to take part in the battle. However, neither do you go forth for battle yourself, and nor do you help to equip others to go. His father replied, citing another excuse to his son, that, O oh my son, how can I set forth towards the Banu Asfar in such a hot and difficult climate? I swear by God, even in Hurba, i.e. the home of the Banu Salma, I do not feel safe in my home and am afraid of them. I.e. he was afraid of the Romans and was a cowardly man. And so he said, so how can I proceed to challenge them and enter into battle with them? O son, I swear by God that I am fully cognizant of the times of changing fortunes and I know that circumstances can transform from day to day. Hearing this from his father, Hazrat Abdullah became stern towards him and said, I swear by God, there is hypocrisy in you. Certainly Allah the Almighty will reveal his words to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in the Holy Quran with reference to you, so everyone can read it. In other words, Allah the Almighty would manifest his hypocrisy. Hearing this, Hazrat Abdullah's father took off his shoe and threw it upon Hazrat Abdullah's face. Hazrat Abdullah left from there 
and refrained from speaking to his father. It is also written in Ustul Ghaba regarding the father of Hazrat Abdullah, that is Jad bin Qas, and his hypocrisy, that at the occasion of Hudaybiyah, people joined in a pledge of allegiance with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. However, Jad bin Qas refrained from taking part, and it is said that later he repented and he died in the era of the Khilafat of Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhu. The next companion who I shall mention is Hazrat Haris bin Aus bin Mu'az. He was the nephew of Hazrat Saad bin Mu'az, who was the leader of the Banu Aus tribe. He took part in the battles of Badr and Uhud, and it is said that at the age of 28 he was martyred in the Battle of Uhud. However, other narrations tell us that he was not martyred in the Battle of Uhud. Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha relates that at the Battle of Uhud I followed behind people and left. And I heard the sounds of footsteps behind me. And when I turned to look, I saw Hazrat Saad bin Muaz along with his nephew, Haris bin Aus, holding his shield. Therefore, this narration establishes the fact that he was still alive after the Battle of Ahud. Regarding Hazrat Haris, it is said that he was among those who killed Qab bin Ashraf and during the attack, his foot was wounded and he started to bleed. And the companions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, lifted him up and took him to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Qab bin Ashraf was one of the people who was from among the leaders of Medina and joined in the treaty with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. However, later he tried to spread disorder and strife and therefore the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, ordered for his death. In any case, further details are found in Shara Umdatul Qali regarding the companion who set to kill him and had his foot injured. And it is reported that when Muhammad bin Muslima, along with his companions, attacked Qab bin Ashraf and killed him, the tip of the sword of one of the companions struck Hazrat Haris bin Aus and wounded him. And so his companions lifted him and rushed him to Medina and came before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then placed his sliver on Hazrat Haris bin Aus's wound, after which he no longer felt any pain. Previously, I briefly mentioned the details to the incident of why Qab bin Ashraf was killed. However, now I shall present further details which Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmed Sahib has written, even though some of it may be repeated. Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmed Sahib writes that although Qab was a Jew by religion, he was not actually Jewish by descent. Rather, he was an Arab, and his father Ashraf was a very clever and cunning man of the Banu Niban tribe, who came to Medina and developed relations with the Banu Nazir and became their confederate. Ultimately, he managed to gain such power and influence that Abu Rafi bin Abil Huqayq, head chief of the Banu Nazir, gave him his daughter in marriage. And it was this very daughter who gave birth to Qab, who grew to attain an even greater status than that of his father. And this was to such extent that ultimately he took on such a capacity that all the Jews of Arabia began to accept him as their chief. In addition to being a well-built and attractive man, Garb was also well-spoken and an eloquent poet and a very wealthy man. And through generous spending, he would always keep the scholars and other influential personalities of his nation under his control. However, from a moral perspective, he was a man of extremely ill morals and was a master in the art of secret schemes and conspiracies. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, migrated to Medina, along with the other Jews, Qab bin Ashraf also participated in the treaty. 
Here, Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmed Sahib has given a lengthy description, so I shall only briefly mention some of it. The treaty which the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, drafted between the Jews with regards to mutual friendship, peace and security and collective defence. However, deep within, the fire of malice and enmity began to burn in the heart of Gob. And so, although he participated in the treaty, but in his heart remained the hypocrisy, enmity and malice. So this is why the fire was burning in his heart. And so he began to oppose Islam and the founder of Islam through secret schemes and conspiracies. As such, it is recorded that every year Garb would give a large sum of charity to Jewish scholars and religious leaders. However, after the migration of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, when these people came to collect their yearly allowances, within the course of discussion, he began to mention the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and inquired of them as to their opinion of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in light of religious scriptures. They responded that apparently it seemed as if he was the very same Prophet who had been promised to them. However, Garb, who harboured enmity and malice, was greatly displeased at this response and sent them away, referring to them as immensely dull and did not give them their usual charity. When the Jewish scholars lost their bread and butter, after some time they came back to Garb and said that they had misinterpreted the signs and that they had contemplated again to discover that in actuality Muhammad was not the prophet who had been promised to them. This response served the purpose of God, and satisfied with the answer, he reinstated the yearly stipend. In any case, Hazrat Mizza Bashir Sahib has quite rightly written that this was merely religious opposition, which although was expressed in an unpleasant manner, but could not at all be objectionable, and nor could God be brought to task merely on this account. However, after this, the opposition of Garb took on a more dangerous form. And ultimately, after the Battle of Badr, he began to employ such conduct as was extremely mischievous and seditious. And he created very dangerous circumstances for the Muslims. In actuality, prior to the Battle of Badr, Garb thought that this religious zeal was a temporary one and gradually all of these people would disperse on their own and revert to their ancestral religion. However, on the occasion of the Battle of Badr, when the Muslims were granted an extraordinary victory and most of the leaders of the Quraysh were slain, he understood that this new religion would not die out by itself. Hence, after the Battle of Badr, he resolved to exert his best efforts to abolish and utterly destroy Islam. And the first expression of his heartfelt rancor and jealousy was at the occasion when the news of the victory of the Battle of Badr reached Medina. Upon hearing this news, at the outset, Garb said that this news seemed to be false, because it was impossible for Muhammad to triumph over such a large army of the Quraysh, and also for such renowned leaders of Makkah to be mixed with dust. And if this news was true, then death was better than such a life. But when this news had been confirmed, and Garb was assured that the victory of Badr had granted Islam such strength as was beyond his wildest dreams, he was overcome with anger and rage. And when the Muslims returned after the victory of Badr, he immediately prepared for journey and took to Mecca. And upon reaching there, by the power of his persuasive speech and poetic tongue, he inflamed the fire that was kindling in the hearts of the Quraysh. And he created an unquenchable thirst in their hearts for Muslim blood and filled their hearts with sentiments of revenge and enmity.
Then, when their emotions had become immensely sparked as a result of his incitement, Gaab took them to the courtyard of the Kaaba, and handing them the drapes of the Kaaba, he had them swear that they would not rest until Islam and the founder of Islam, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had been wiped out from the face of the earth. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib further writes, After creating this fiery atmosphere in Mecca, this evil person turned to the other tribes of Arabia, and travelling from tribe to tribe, he incited people against the Muslims. Then he returned to Medina, and whilst composing Tashbib, i.e. he alluded to the Muslim women in a very filthy and obscene manner in his provocative couplets, and in doing so, he did not even spare the women from the household of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in his amorous couplets, and had these couplets widely publicized throughout the country. Finally, he hatched a conspiracy to assassinate the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And under the ploy of a feast, he invited the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to his residence, and with a few Jewish young men, he schemed to have the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, assassinated. However, by the grace of God, the information was received in advance and this plan of his was unsuccessful. And so in light of the treaty which had been settled between the inhabitants of Medina upon his arrival, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was the chief executive and commander-in-chief of the democratic state of Medina. Thus, when the state of affairs escalated to such an extent and charges of infraction of treaty, rebellion, inciting war, sedition, use of foul language and conspiracy to assassinate the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had been established. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, issued the verdict that Gaab bin Ashraf was liable to be put to death due to his actions. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, therefore instructed some of his companions to execute him. However, due to the sedition of Gab, since the atmosphere of Medina at the time was such that if a formal announcement had been made before his execution, there was a possibility that civil war may have erupted in Medina, and there was no telling how much massacre and carnage would have ensued as a result. Therefore, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was willing to offer any possible and reasonable sacrifice in order to prevent international violence and bloodshed. Thus, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed that Garb should not be executed publicly, rather few people should quietly find an opportunity and put an end to him. For this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, assigned this duty to a faithful companion named Muhammad bin Masalma and emphasized that whatever strategy was devised, it should be executed with the counsel of Saad bin Muaz, who was the chief of the Aus tribe. Upon this, Muhammad bin Masalma submitted, O Messenger of Allah, in order to kill him silently, we shall be required to say something, which meant that some excuse, etc. would be required by which Garb could be lured out of his residence and executed in a secure location. And so, taking into account the grave consequences which could have arisen if a covert operation had been ruled out, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, remained silent, and then said, All right then. As such, with the counsel of Saad bin Muaz, Muhammad bin Masulma took Abu Naila and two or three other companions along with him and reached the residence of Garb. They called Kaab out from his living quarters and said that our chief, i.e. Muhammad, peace be upon him, demands charity of us, while we of straitened circumstances. Would you be so kind as to give us a loan? Upon hearing this, Kaab jumped with joy and said, By God, this is nothing. The day is not far when you shall become averse to him and abandon him. Muhammad bin Masulma responded, In any case, we have already accepted the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and are now waiting to see the final outcome of his dispensation. But you tell us whether or not you will give us a loan. Of course, said Gab, 
but you will be required to deposit some collateral. Muhammad bin Maslama inquired, what do you require? And this wretched person responded that leave your women as collateral. On hearing this, he became enraged that they should leave their women with a man like him. However, he, Aikab, responded, Alright then, your sons shall do. Muhammad bin Maslama responded that this is not possible either. We cannot bear the reproach of the whole of Arabia. But if you are generous enough, we are willing to leave our arms with you as collateral. Kaab agreed to this and Muhammad bin Maslama and his companions left with the promise to return at night. At nightfall, this party arrived at the residence of Gab with their weapons as now they were able to openly take their arms along with them. And when they had led Gab out of his home, they restrained him and killed him. And it was during this struggle that Zaid, who has been mentioned above, was injured by a sword from his fellow companions. And after Gab had been killed, Muhammad bin Maslama and his companions departed from there and quickly presented themselves to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him and conveyed to him the news of his execution. When the news of the execution of Gab became known, a tremor rippled through the city, and the Jewish people were deeply enraged. And the following day in the morning, a delegation of the Jews presented themselves before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and complained that their leader Gab bin Ashraf had been murdered in such and such way. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, listened to their comments, and he did not deny it, and nor did he say that he had no knowledge of the incident. But he said, that Are you also aware of the crimes which Gab is guilty of? Then the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, briefly reminded them of all the evil schemes which Gab was guilty of, i.e. infraction of treaty, inciting war, sedition, use of foul language, and conspiracy of assassination, etc. Upon this the people became fearful and did not say a word. It was only after this that the anger subsided and understood the reality of the matter, that this was the appropriate punishment. After this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said, At least from here onwards, you would do well to live in peace and harmony and do not sow the seed of enmity, violence and disorder. As such, with the agreement of the Jews, a new treaty was drafted and the Jews promised once again to live with the Muslims in peace and harmony and to abstain from a course of violence and disorder. And this treaty was entrusted to Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. Furthermore, nowhere in history is it recorded that after this the Jews ever mentioned the execution of Qab bin Ashraf and accused the Muslims for in their hearts they knew that Qab received the rightful punishment due to him. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib writes, that Western historians raised the allegation that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, wrongfully ordered the execution of Qab bin Ashraf. But negating this allegation, Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmed Sahib writes that it was not an erroneous decision since Qab bin Ashraf had entered into a formal agreement of peace and security with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And so scheming against the Muslims was out of the question, especially when he had agreed to support the Muslims against all foreign enemies and to maintain friendly relations with the Muslims. And so, by virtue of this treaty, he had also accepted that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would be the chief executive of the democratic state which had been established in Medina, and that the verdict of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would be legally binding in all disputes, etc., Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib further writes, Therefore, historical evidence proves that under this very treaty, Jewish people would present their cases before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and he would administer verdicts to them. And so, in these circumstances, in ignoring all of his treaties and agreements, Gab committed treason against the Muslims, as a matter of fact, against the very government of the time and he planted the seed of violence and disorder in Medina, and he attempted to inflame a fire of war within the country, and dangerously incited the tribes of Arabia against the Muslims. He composed provocative couplets against the Muslim women, whilst composing Tashbib, and conspired to assassinate the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. 
Furthermore, all of this was done in such a time when the Muslims were already surrounded by difficulties from all four directions. Therefore, in such circumstances, the crime committed by Qab, or more appropriately, the stack of crimes committed by Qab, warranted punitive measure, and hence this action was taken against him. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib further writes that even today in countries which are known as civilized, when a criminal is guilty of the crimes of rebellion, infraction of treaty, inciting war, and attempted assassination, is such a person not administered the death penalty? Thus, how can one raise an allegation against this? The second question relates to the method of the execution as to why he was killed discreetly in the night. In relation to this, Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmed Sahib writes about this. With regards to this issue, it should be remembered that there was no formal ruling power in Arabia at the time. Even though they had elected a leader, rather every individual and every tribe was free and independent. They would come to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, for decisions that were needed to be made as a whole for everyone, but they were also free to make their own decisions amongst their own tribes as well. In this state, which court of law existed where a case could be filed against Qab and a formal judgment for his execution could be sought? Should a complaint have been lodged with the Jews, of whom he was a leader, and who had themselves committed treachery against the Muslims already, and would create disorder every other day? Thus it was impossible to go to the Jews for a decision. Or should justice have been sought from the tribes of Sulaim and Ghatfan, who had planned to launch a sudden attack on Medina at night three or four times in the last few months alone? These were also their own tribes, therefore it was not possible to get any justice from them. Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmed Sahib further writes, Reflect on the state of Arabia at the time, and then contemplate that when a person was guilty of provocation, inciting war, mischievous behavior, and attempted assassination, and due to this, his remaining ally was felt to be a threat to their own security and the security of the country. What other alternative was available to the Muslims except for executing such a person when the opportunity presented itself in the consideration of self-defense? It is far more beneficial for an evil and violent man to be executed as opposed to the lives of many peace-abiding citizens being put to danger and the peace of the country being ruined. And God Almighty also states that spreading evil and disorder is worse than killing. Then, in light of the treaty which took place between the Muslims and the Jews after the migration, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, did not possess the capacity of an ordinary citizen. On the contrary, he had now become the chief executive of the democratic state which had been established in Medina. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had been given the authority to issue whatever verdict he deemed appropriate with respect to all disputes and political affairs. Hence, in the interest of domestic peace, if the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, declared Qab as being worthy of death due to his mischievous behavior, it is therefore completely futile to raise an allegation against this after 1300 years have elapsed, because the Jews themselves found this punishment of Qab as being reasonable in light of his crimes and took to silence without raising a single objection. And so this was the state of Qab, and it was in reference to this that Hazazad was mentioned, as he was part of this group who was sent to kill him. Moreover, all those allegations levelled against the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, or against Islam being a religion of oppression, are all baseless. In fact, Gab was liable for punishment and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in the capacity of a leader of the state, issued this punishment. I shall finish today's sermon with these accounts. And may God Almighty always protect Islam from such evil ploys. And the current state of the Muslims today is that instead of drawing lessons from their past history, they instead are immersed in such evils, and in fact they have become the very cause of these evils, which exist in Muslim governments and other governments. And may God Almighty protect Islam from these evils, 
and also enable them to accept the one who has been sent by God Almighty as a guide for this age and for the revival of Islam.